right, welcome everybody to Simply Cyber. This is episode, let me get this dialed in just right. Good morning, folks. Today is Tuesday, September 6th. Welcome to episode number 191 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break in the industry. Let me bring Chad in. Guys, let me bring Chad in. If you're looking to break in the industry, we got you covered. So whether or not you can apply this today or in an interview this week, we got you covered. Now, shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Cyber criminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations. Barricade Cyber Solutions will help you resolve this ransomware attack and get your business back on track. I'd also like to thank this stream's other sponsor, our good friends at Recon InfoSec. Listen, Recon InfoSec has managed detection and response. This, this offering includes people, process, and technology needed to deliver full-spectrum security operations to organizations of any size. There's a huge gray area of small to medium-sized businesses that can't afford their own SecOps staff, blue team, and they need an answer, and that's what MDR is. Recon's MDR service includes fully managed SIM and SOAR, and customers gain full visibility into their own environment as well as any incident investigations being worked by the Recon SOC team. Thank you so much to Barricade Cyber and Recon InfoSec. Uh, if you're interested, go in the show notes below. There's links to both of those, so you can check out both of them. Uh, great, great uh, partners of Simply Cyber. Now, I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So this stacks, so it's half... Half a day, but two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to document literally the easiest and I would argue the most enjoyable way to uh, capture CPEs. Uh, just say what's up in chat. Hashtag Team Live, like Tom Bishop saying. Back to work, like Leah Zimmerman saying. Uh, it's forensically sound. Any auditor can go back and look at this and see what's going on. So if you're live, love it. I see 56 of you here, 68 according to Restream. Love it, love it, love it. If you are watching on replay, go ahead and drop hashtag team replay into chat. I would appreciate that. It, uh, it, it's basically the same thing I said before. A, you're uh, documenting that you were here and consume this information. And then B, you are, uh, you are legion as far as the team replay, team replay people go. You guys have a faction all your own. Now, if you are on replay, you have the ability to jump forward in the future and skip the pleasantries, right? So... The pleasantries being uh, uh, good morning and such that I'll do in a second. So just skip ahead two minutes if you're watching on replay and you want to get right to the news or when the screen changes to news, uh, we're off and running. But I am super pumped to be able to welcome all of you into chat. Good morning, Lego Security. Hey, Alfredo. Good to see you. Uh, Kimberly can fix it. Let me get my graphics on. Where, where are my graphics at? Can I do some graphics? Yeah, that looks pretty good. Guys, coming off a three-day weekend, I, I had chat missing. I didn't have my overlays on. Um, I was playing around this weekend. I'm going to be live streaming some World of Haiku coming up here um, soon. So I was trying to mess with different overlays, different plays, see how that goes. Hey, Franklin Stevens and Poner Joe. Jim Wales, good to see you. Hopefully you guys are digging the, uh, the music. Uh, let me know if it's too loud. I'm actually kind of playing around a little bit. I would love to, I'd love to be able to, like smooth into the music in and out instead of depending on restream good to see you mark schrader coming in from michigan franklin stevens my man 
Oh yeah, World of Haiku is a good time. I'm getting, uh, I'm working with the World of Haiku people. Um, I'm going to be uh, streaming unreleased content, uh, basically World of Haiku Pro. I'll also be streaming DLC content before it drops. Uh, so if you want to get early release looks and uh, access to raffles and stuff, that's the deal. Reminder, guys, this is the week that we are raffling off Recon Infosec's core training. It's a $3,500 value. I'm raffling off five instances of it. Today is no different. We're going to be talking at the mid-roll on how you can enter to win. And it's too low. All right, that's fine, Poner Joe. It's supposed to just be kind of ambiance in the background anyways. Um, guys... If you're watching on replay, know this. I have a team replay raffle drawing scheduled on the Discord server for Thursday at 10.38 a.m. So if you are watching on replay and you want an opportunity to win one of the Recon InfoSec trainings, go to the Discord server and enter the giveaway on the giveaway channel. All right, guys. Hey, Munchkin. Hey, Pamela. Good to see you guys. Oh, cool. World of Haiku on Sunday night. Nice. Randy. The DLC drops September 30th, I believe. Uh, I'll be streaming it on September 26th. Hey, Roger Swanson coming from the low country. John Cook, my man, Winter Jolt. Guys, appreciate you coming for the 10 a.m. show. I did teach this morning. It was all about crypto fraud, investment fraud, how to run scams on the internet, how to fish people, how to get them to give you money, Ponzi schemes, celebrity endorsements, Mark Cuban, all of it. Hmm. All right, guys. All right, let's get into the news, guys. Oh, so good. I do love me some midnight. All right, guys, let's get into the news. Hopefully, everybody can sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hey, Joel Belton. Um, here we go. Here we go. I'm not sure what you're talking about, uh, what I have on uh, on stream or not. Oh, 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 my uh, my class, no. Good morning, Casey Davis. Hey, Adrian. Yep, yep. I I love teaching, man. I do love teaching. All right, let's get into the news. Hold on, let me, uh, let me juice this baby up to 70. All right, here we go. Here we go. Boom. Whip. <laughs> From the CISO series, here we go. it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Tuesday, September 6, 2022. Transnational sextortion ring dismantled. Interpol's cybercrime division worked with police in Singapore and Hong Kong to take down the operation. The police agency arrested 12 suspects in the ring from July through August. The scheme tricked victims into downloading a malicious app to exchange explicit media, but then stole contact information and social logins to blackmail users. Earlier this year, Interpol warned that sextortion schemes have followed an overall rise in cybercrime in general. The FBI warned that in the first half of 2021, sextortion complaints resulted in over $8 million in losses. Whew. All right. So good on Interpol, guys. Uh, I looked as I was setting the stories up for today. It looks like we got a lot of sounders. So let's not waste any time. That's the sound of All right. So Interpol doing what Interpol does and breaking up sextortion rings. Good on them. Okay, so if you guys don't know what sextortion is, you definitely should know. And I would encourage you to educate in a, in a very polite way 
uh, maybe not your end users, but a younger audience, right? So I, I actually probably would tell my students about this. Um, I'm thinking ages really uh, like 15 to 25, 15 to 30. You may not know. Sextortion can happen in a couple different ways. Essentially, a, f a phishing email comes in and it's complete hogwash, right? The, 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 the threat actor says, hey, I've got... Um, well, it can happen a couple different ways. One, it's just total poppycock. And they're like, listen, I've got uh, pictures of you pleasuring yourself. I turned on your webcam. I know the nasty sites you've been going to. I have this footage. I'm going to release it publicly to your friends and family. You'll probably get fired. You're probably going to be um, ostracized by your social network unless you give me X amount of money or you actually send me nudes and stuff like that. Um, that's one way it happens. And then obviously you freak out, you maybe send them money. If you do send them nudes, now they actually have um, compromising collateral on you. And then they begin to like really run you uh, and extort money out of you, extort favors out of you, etc. cetera. Uh, it seems like in this sextortion ring, an increase in attacks. Uh, phishing, they get uh, actual malware on your computer. Maybe they do turn on your webcam. And they, they um, either take live footage of you or they search your computer for compromising pictures. That's why I was saying younger audience. Uh, I'm not saying all younger people are prone to taking inappropriate photos of their own body or of their partner's body. Um, but I just feel like there's a higher likelihood of it happening in that younger audience. Um, basically, I'm glad that Interpol is taking care of this. I mean, it's very violating, right? There, there's nothing that says you can't take pictures of yourself or of your partner, or you make a home movie, quote unquote, home movie, right? Um, I mean, it worked for Kim Kardashian. I mean, look how popular she is. So it's your own right to do that though. And the fact that these um, criminals are exploiting that and um, ruining people's lives, frankly, I'm glad that Interpol went after this. So TLDR, educate people on what sextortion is, explain to them how they can prevent it or protect themselves from it, and just know that you should never be installing crap on your computer that comes from anyone like that. Yep. All right, let's keep rolling. TikTok denies breach talk. Late last week, a hacking group known as Against the West claimed on a forum to have breached TikTok and WeChat. It shared screenshots of a database from both companies purporting to hold 790 gigabytes of data, including user data, authentication tokens, server info, and more. TikTok denied the claim, further saying the data in question couldn't have been scraped from its platform. Security researcher Troy Hunt confirmed the validity of some data, but didn't find any that was non-public. Researcher Bob Dianchenko said the data likely came from the third-party Hangzhou Julan network technology. Okay, so this was making the rounds um, over the week, last week, you know, three-day weekend, whatever. Um, screenshots, over 2 billion users' data leaked. Um, TikTok's pushing back. You know, it's, it's one of these things. That would be a huge data set to have dropped. Who knows what's in it? If it was scraped from a public um, forum or a public service, then it wasn't really a breach, and it's just kind of like made to look like it was a breach. I don't know. One way or the other, um, some something that comes to my mind though if immediately when I'm thinking is like, what is the end game, right? If you're the against the West uh, threat actor group and you actually did not breach TikTok, but you pulled data from some public repo or something like that, and you're you're flexing as if you did compromise TikTok, what's the end game? Are you trying to get notoriety like it's a '90s hacker movie and you're trying to be like like one up asset? 
burn or or crash override, right? Or is there are they trying to like pump it up so they can then turn around and sell it even though it's like a fraudulent asset because it's not really TikTok's um uh data set? That that's possible. Uh I'd have to I guess I'd have to engage people like Eric Taylor from Barricade Cyber um who kind of does muck around in the dark web and might know whether or not these uh threat actors are actually trying to sell this data set. Um this story's not going away though, right? TikTok's obviously super huge. Um, people are going to want to know if the data was actually breached. Um, if the threat actors actually have it, this is the ultimate ultimatum, right? TikTok is saying they weren't breached. If the threat actors actually did it, then they will release more information. They will release information that is not publicly accessible, right? In order to validate, in order to validate the claim that they did successfully hack them. We'll see. I mean, I don't know. At the end of the day, like, I guess to me, who cares, right? That's my initial thought. I hate to sound so callow or callous, but like most of our data is out there. So like, what do you care um, if TikTok gets breached? I mean, I guess they could use the information to to develop a profile on you, but the people who own TikTok already can do that. So then like what? Like Facebook or Meta is going to like resurge itself by having access to data about how to market to you? I don't know. I don't know. Cloudflare cuts off Kiwi Farms. Following up from last week, Cloudflare reversed course and cut off services to the controversial site. In late August, it cut off Kiwi Farms from its paid services, but was still providing free DDoS protection services. Cloudflare CEO Matthew Prince said the move was in response to imminent danger from the site at a pace law enforcement couldn't keep up with. He denied the move came in response to public pressure. Last week, Prince defended providing DDoS protection and caching services to sites with, quote, despicable content and called cutting off sites a dangerous precedent. Oh, wow. Okay, so we actually talked about this last week on the channel, if you guys uh, recall. And it was like cloud, like Kiwi Farms is, um, from what I understand, I've never been there. But Kiwi Farms is apparently one of these places on the internet that is like, um, allows, uh, you know, kind of some, some sus activities to happen. According to the news article written here uh, by the Washington Post, it's a place for stalkers to organize. It's a place for like crime to be kind of um, logistically coordinated and stuff like that. Like some, some bad stuff is going on here. Hate speech, all this other stuff. Okay, so Cloudflare is involved in hosting or, or providing security or whatever to Kiwi Farms. And last week they said, hey, listen, um, we don't condone what they're doing, but at the same time, like we are not the censor of the internet. We're not the elder elders of the internet to decide what is um, allowed and what is not. Plus, Kiwi's a paying customer, right? Well, super public b backlash, which is why we talked about it. And I actually kind of was on the fence about like, you know, it's kind of sus, like who gets to decide that Cloudflare gets to decide who to censor? Because, you know, obviously with this Kiwi Farms thing, it's pretty obvious that this is a deplorable website. So yeah, no one's going to disagree or most people won't disagree to pull it off. But what if it's a uh, Planned Parenthood website and you're, you're uh, anti-Planned Parenthood, right? Or you're anti-abortion or you're pro-abortion and like, but you're in charge of one of these really powerful websites like Cloud or not websites, businesses like Cloudflare. Now, do you see how like unilaterally giving them the power to choose who gets censored and who doesn't can be a uh, gray water or a, a, a gray area? Gray water. I think that means like sewage. I, I don't know. I'm not an RV person, but I think gray water is a thing that you don't want any of. Um, so 
the the public flipped out last week, and Cloudflare's now pulled Kiwi Farms off. Off, uh, they're not supporting them anymore. Two things: one, obviously, a precedent has been set now on like Cloudflare making the decision to censor, and then two, I would have to assume. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like Kiwi Farms, like they're just going to find another provider, right? I mean, the fact that criminals can set up um, uh, IT infrastructure and operate means that I could see Kiwi Farms doing the same thing, right? So this isn't going to stop this website from existing. It's just not going to be on Cloudflare anymore. And the, the, the stench of Cloudflare's decision in the backpedaling, the public pressure, and now uh, implementing, um, <laughs> and implementing uh, censorship, it comes into, que- I mean, comes into question. Again, no one's disputing that this site is deplorable. Uh, it's just an easy use case. This happens all the time really in uh, society when people are talking about making a decision, like whether or not, um, you know, mobile phones should have backdoor encryption mechanisms for law enforcement. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously no one's going to disagree if there's like a sociopathic homicidal serial killer running around and you could with one button get into their phone and see where their next crime is going to be and capture them before anybody else get hurt. No one's going to argue with that. It's when you start getting into a political rival and things like Pegasus Software from NSO Group where you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, where's the line, right? There's, it's very difficult. Instagram fined for GDPR violations. Ireland's Data Protection Commission fined the meta-owned platform 405 million euros for violating the privacy statute. This marks the second highest GDPR fine after Amazon's 746 million euro fine and Meta's third GDPR fine overall. The regulator found Instagram violated children's privacy by publishing email and phone numbers. Meta said it updated these settings over a year ago to resolve the underlying issue. Ireland's DPC reportedly began six other investigations into Meta-owned platforms. Yikes. Okay, so check that out, right? Uh, GDPR... Second highest fine of 405 million euros. Amazon got hit for 746 million euros. Um, gosh, GDPR is no joke, guys. I will tell you that a um, couple things. One, in Europe, they don't mess around with privacy, right? Privacy and security, they, they do overlap like an event diagram intersection. But there's entire privacy professionals and privacy whatever over here. I'm more infosec, but we do we do swim in the privacy waters, right? So we do get our our feet wet uh, with that. So to this thing, GDPR is the European Privacy Regulation Standard. It's very very prescriptive on like what is okay and what is not okay. And you want to talk about having teeth? GDPR has got some major teeth, guys. Four hundred and five million dollars for Instagram privacy violations, especially the fact that it involves kids. Although it was uh, giving out kids' email addresses somehow. Uh, kids don't know any better. So I appreciate that they're doing this. Uh, at the same time, can you can you imagine, like, just think about how much money Meta has where, like, they get hit for $405 million and it's like it's like they drove over a twig in, in a car that, that they're driving, like, 80 miles an hour. And it's like, like, doop, and just keep on moving, right? Amazon $746 million fine. Um, you would think that this would deter, but I don't think so, especially since this is... I guess the third time Meta has been fined. Um, Now, granted, Meta, huge property, Instagram, Facebook, the Oculus, like they've got all this stuff everywhere and it is a big system and it is difficult to, I guess, moderate or coordinate or organize 
really large systems like that. So I'm not surprised that they've gotten hit um, a couple times, but I would be curious to dig into this, that um, if it's anything like HIPAA, which is the Health Information uh, Privacy and Protection Act or Portability and Protection Act uh, in the United States, where like basically if you get hit with a HIPAA fine, meaning that you're not protecting patient records well, um, you can typically work with the HHS Office of Civil Rights and explain like, oh, hey, we were trying or we'll put things in place and they won't fine you. You typically only get fined if you're being like a peckerhead and you're like, oh, like I'll just do whatever I want. Like, just give me the number. Like, I'll just write you a check. Get out of my face. Right. Like if you're if you're a jerk about it, you get fined for HIPAA. Or if you're like a repeat offender because you're not doing anything to fix the problem, you're, you get fined by HIPAA. With GDPR, I wonder if it's similar. To get hit with three fines like this up in hundreds of millions of euros, that means that you're just like, you know what? It's cheaper for us to just write the, write the check and keep on motoring than it would be to take the time to implement the controls appropriately. So that's one thing that I'm kind of curious about uh, when it comes to this particular story. All right, let's do the read. And now thanks to this week's episode sponsor, Sneak. Developers want to code fast and security wants to ship securely. And they want to do it all from the cloud. That's why they both choose Sneak. Backed by industry-leading security intelligence, Sneak provides real-time scanning with automated fixes and remediation advice right from the tools and workflows developers use. Code, dependencies, containers, cloud environments, all of it. And while developers are building securely, Sneak gives security teams a bird's eye view of all of their projects and cloud environments so they can prioritize and focus their efforts in the right places. Developer tested, security approved. Start your free Sneak account at sneak.co slash cybersecurity. That's S-N-Y-K dot co. All right. All right. So... Let's do the mid-read. I want to let everybody know that right now, if you are interested, our newest sponsor, Recon InfoSec, has donated five student passes to their core training. It's a $3,500 per student uh, value. Check this out, guys. This is a four-day training. I've done the the first two days of the training. I have a video on Simply Cyber about it. Uh, It's very, very good. This is literally training by security operations people, for security operations people you want to talk about legit it doesn't get much more legit than this okay this is an input um this is a live training you can take it remotely uh but it is live it's not like an on-demand one if you end up winning uh and you cannot make this training i will try to uh coordinate with you uh and recon infosec to make sure that you can get this guys in order to enter the raffle go ahead and type recon R-E-C-O-N, Recon, in chat right now. Thank you to uh, Eric Capuano and the entire team over at Recon InfoSec for A, sponsoring the show, and then B, uh, this very generous raffle prize. Guys, if you are if you have zero interest, like say you're like a 72-year-old, like you got two pensions and you're retired and you're just hanging out, loving life, sitting on the beach, you may not want to enter this raffle simply because like, are you going to go to a four day training to become a SOC analyst? I don't know. I don't know. But everybody's entering right now. Matthew Dimmick's in here. Pamela, Dark, Dark Facken, uh entered. Mark Schrader. All right, guys, you're all doing that. While you're entering, let me go ahead and share something else with you. I don't know if you guys saw it, but 
the Simply Cyber, um, I do a actionable Intel weekly email every Monday morning. Many of you got this yesterday. There's over, I think 1300 people have currently signed up for this actionable Intel email. I email you three things and tell you exactly how you can operationalize them for information security purposes. Literally, like I spell out, do this, this, and this. And it's in your inbox Monday morning before you get to work, if you're East Coast. And you can literally make risk-reducing improvements to your organization before Carl even gets his cup of coffee. Carl! Okay? So if you're interested, sign up. It, like, it's, it's cool. I think it's cool. If anyone has any feedback or constructive criticism for the newsletter, please DM me or say it in chat. If you get value out of it, do me a favor and tell other people about it. Share the news with them. Um, thanks, Gregor. I appreciate it. You know what people really like that I'm really proud of? Inside each story, I actually put a link directly to the Daily Threat Briefing on where I analyzed that particular story. Uh, a lot of people have commented that they really appreciated that. It allowed them to get a little bit further down the rabbit hole. Adrian Gut Gutierrez, I'm not sure why you didn't get the email. Um, check your spam. Oh, guys, a lot of people have been getting it in their spam. I can't control how your email service routes my emails. So, um, Jared Pierpoint, go to... Uh, simplycyber.io slash newsletter simplycyber.io slash newsletter and you'll get this little uh portal right here you drop your email address right here and you'll be good to go okay all right guys let's continue on with the news and i'll draw the uh the winner <clears throat> thanks tom bishop yep i'll send this uh i'll um I'll draw the winner at the end of the show. Yeah, add me to the address book. It's good times in there. All right, here we go. IRS leaks taxpayer data. The Internal Revenue Service announced a human coding error exposed personal information for roughly 120,000 taxpayers that submitted a Form 990-T on its website. Information included individual names and business contact information. Social security numbers and other financial details were not leaked. Tax-exempt organizations with unrelated business income must file a Form 990-T. The IRS makes this information public. However, people with retirement accounts invested in assets that generate income must also submit the form, but those filings are private. The coding error made all 990-T submissions public. <sighs> you guys know, you know what we're saying. Cool! Okay, <laughs> like, Jesus. All right, I mean, these things happen, guys. Um, human error... <clears throat> You know, sometimes you get the question, sometimes you get the question, um, like what's your biggest, uh, like oops mistake you've ever made. Whoever the developer was that did this, that's their answer pretty much for the, uh, inevitable future. I am trying to get this on a hot button. Um, but this is, this is the developer realizing that they, uh, went ahead and made a mistake. So guys, this happens. It's human nature. The guy should have made it or the woman should have made it. 990Ts, you know, and like use a union SQL query and nonprofit charity or whatever. And instead they just dismissed that. It was probably Friday going into a three-day holiday weekend. They're like YOLO, like ripping their shirt off, getting the tannin oil on, ready to go to the club, ready to go get some tacos at happy hour. 
I ain't got time for this. Commit the production, commit software changes to production and boogie on out. That could have happened. Also, they could have just made a mistake and not realize that there were different kinds of 990s. I'll say this and move on. If anyone in your organization does software development, right? If you're a software vending vendor type company, or you have a SaaS solution, or you do things with your data sets, or you have an R&D group who, who makes like in-house apps, which I could lose my mind about in-house apps, the, the most penny-wise, pound-foolish thing I've ever seen, um, in-house apps, then you have to educate them and be mindful that you need to have a somewhat decent testing strategy. When you make changes to production, or excuse me, when you make changes to a, an app or software build or whatever, you have to be consistent with testing them, right? I know it's boring. I'm sorry. You've done the test a thousand times and a thousand times it's come back right. Well, now you make another change. You're like, I don't need to run the test. I just need to get the hell out of here. Well, guess what? It only takes one time for you to screw up the SQL join or whatever. And then you leak 120,000 people's records. And then your boss is like, hey, can you come in my office? We got to talk because you made a horrible mistake. All right. Just educate your end users. You can use this as an awesome example. Guys, in the world of cybersecurity, there's nothing better. I mean, there's actually a couple of things better, but there's nothing much better than a practical use case that happens to someone else or that happens to you, but it's defanged. So like the, the malware doesn't detonate successfully or whatever. When you can show this to your developers and say, hey, listen, guys, like I know you guys are all great developers. I just want to show you what happens if you're, if you're not vigilant about your testing processes. Okay. I don't want, we don't want our customers data to get out. You don't want our customers data to get out. Don't be like the IRS. Okay. Like, you know, use it as a, as a case study. So instead of whipping them with like a stick, you can, you can, you can almost say like, Hey, like, like use a carrot, right? Like, which is more motivational. So maybe this doesn't work in the carrot sense, but like, Hey guys, like you don't want to be, you don't want to be like these guys, right? You want to do the right thing. Just be mindful, be careful. Okay. All you're doing is reducing risk. You're not going to stop them from committing uh, a screw up into production, but you're going to give them pause to think about it before they do it. Right. Gregor, Gregor knows what I'm talking about. Guys, I, I, I could do an AMA on in-house apps and why they drive me bananas. I loathe in-house apps. I hate in-house apps so much, so much. I'm like having PTSD just thinking about in-house apps, especially at large organizations. Like they're everywhere and they're unsupported. They're, they're broken. They're not, they're not, they're brittle. They're not like robust. Ugh. Like the permit, the access permissions are all over the place. The API integrations are brutal. <laughs> That's what I would do with every in-house app right out the window. UK closes crypto sanction loopholes. The UK Treasury's Office of Financial Sanctions Implementation updated its guidance to now require cryptocurrency exchanges to report suspected sanction breaches to UK authorities immediately. Nice. This largely puts cryptocurrency exchanges under the same obligations that other professional services must meet under such sanctions. This comes as the UK explicitly added crypto assets to funds that must be frozen if the government imposes sanctions. This includes both cryptocurrencies as well as other notionally valuable digital assets like NFTs.
Yeah, of course. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. Okay, guys. So check this out. You know, like sit down, get comfortable. This isn't going anywhere. We just saw a couple of weeks ago, the U.S. Department of Treasury sanctioned anyone using tornado cash. And we were like, how can you sanction North Korea from taking money they stole from Denmark and running it through tornado cash? You can't. But it's an effort that the United States is putting forward in order to start to regulate some of this type of crypto stuff. UK is like America's cousin, right? Like five eye countries. UK is doing it too. Get ready. They're all going to do it as they slowly start making decentralized finance centralized. Crypto is like the Wild West. It's, it's deregulated. It's decentralized. People are all over the place. A lot of it's being used for criminal purposes because there isn't really practical utility. I literally flipped out on my Citadel class this morning for an hour about, about all of this. We talked about Tornado Cash. We talked about Binance. We talked about how these companies that are getting a little bit of a taste for every transaction is perversely incentivized in order to allow the transactions to occur because they get a taste. And if most of the transactions are fraud or crime, it's a bit of a gray area, but you know what? The criminal transactions, I'm still getting a taste, so I'm incentivized to have as many transactions on my platform as possible. UK is trying to put some, some, some arms around this to say, listen, crypto exchanges, Binance, Coinbase, I'm looking at you. You got to report sanction breaches. If someone is using uh, Bitcoin from a wallet that's known as a criminal bit wallet, sanction. If you have to have controls in place. I would also think that this UK law, this rule, while, yeah, they're saying that Russia invasion of Ukraine had something to do with it, but like the, 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 the powers, the people in power, dude, decentralized economics isn't good for people in power. They're in power. They control things like money and finance and economy and all these other things, right? I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying people in power protect, uh, prefer to stay in power, right? Also, you don't want a bunch of crime, right? Uh, uh, the wild west of crypto right now. So in order to uh, use crypto exchanges and have uh, like regulation on it is good because... Guys, if Lazarus Group steals $500 million from Ronin Infinity Bridge, they can't go buy, like, they can't buy 50,000 tons of rice or a ballistic missile on crypto. They need to transfer it into some currency that is acceptable by Whole Foods for the rice or Northrop Grumman for, for the missiles or whatever, or Lockheed, whatever. You got you to gotta get it. And how do they get it? They go through these exchanges. That's why it's called an exchange. They're exchanging their cryptocurrency for some other currency that has value in the market. So good on them, you, uh, UK and United States, trying to put some, put some like reins. It's like the sheriff in Deadwood or uh, in the Wild West. Like you need some type of situation going on over here. I'm like, I didn't even get... I got to turn the fan on, guys. I'm like breaking a sweat up in here. I'm all frothed up. Evil proxy toolkit spotted for sale. The firm ReSecurity spotted this new phishing as a service offering for sale on a dark web forum. This uses a reverse proxy and cookie injection to bypass two-factor authentication, creating a proxy on a victim session. 
Evil Proxy first appeared on the dark web market in May 2022, touting the ability to target customers of Google, Microsoft, as well as the Python package index. We've seen these types of MFA bypasses from sophisticated state-backed <clears throat> actors, but ReSecurity says Evil Proxy shows how quickly these attacks have become productized. And All right, so here's the deal. You're a threat actor, you're not sophisticated, you're not next level, but you are criminally motivated. You know, whatever whatever your bag is. Maybe you're, uh, uh, I don't know, you just want to cash in and, and get... You just want to get some of that money, right? Kimberly, here we are. Great cash, homie. You just want to get a taste. Well, people like me who scream until they're blue in the face to enable MFA, yeah, enable MFA, but it's not a silver bullet. All you're doing is raising the bar of difficulty for threat actors to compromise your account, right? Username and password is fine. But if your multi-factor is there, once they try to log in with your password, you get tipped off that someone's got your password, you change your account, and uh, you change your password, and then you're not any uh, less at risk. So sophisticated threat actors, there's been multiple ways demonstrated of how to bypass multi-factor authentication or trick end users into giving you the token. Now, it seems like this evil proxy phishing toolkit um, is lowering the bar, essentially, for criminals who aren't sophisticated enough to bypass multi-factor on their own, they can just pay a monthly subscription fee for this service and the evil proxy will essentially bypass multi-factor. If I was a criminal, I would totally take advantage of this because why should I try to do everything in the attack chain or the cyber kill chain when I can just outsource certain things, right? I can go buy stolen creds off the dark web cross crosswalk them against some type of like crypto uh data dump so i know who my whales are or the people with high value then sign up for evil proxy fire an email at my victim my target my mark whatever and boom they feel safe because they got multi-factor on i'm feeling happy because i just blew through their multi-factor and i'm cashing them out okay multi-factor definitely a good idea definitely implement it but it's not a silver bullet. That's the TLDR here. You need defense in depth. You need detection controls. You need um, mechanisms that say, hey, this is a risky sign-in. Jerry signed in from um, whatever, uh, Miami, Florida, and then logged in from Romania like 10 minutes later. Impossible travel. Or Jerry always logs in from Charleston, and now all of a sudden he's logging in from you know, uh, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, whatever, right? Doesn't make any sense, does it? Or Jerry logged in at midnight and he almost n always logs in at 8 a.m., right? Suspicious. Look into it, okay? You do need defense in depth. And this is why we have a job. If you literally could just turn on all the protection mechanisms and be safe, we wouldn't have jobs. Our jobs would suck. They would be boring. You would just buy a solution that turns on everything and then go to the beach and read a book. But that's not how it works. Threat actors, it's a cat and mouse game. They're constantly uh, adapting and overcoming. And this is one of those adaptations. Now, your Should Have Patched Tuesday update. QNAP warned customers of an ongoing deadbolt ransomware attack over the past weekend. This exploited a zero date in its photo station app. QNAP patched the flaw within 12 hours after the campaign began. Google also released a patch for an actively exploited Chrome Zero Day related to insufficient data validation in the Mojo runtime libraries.
getting jobs in cybersecurity. All right, hey guys, it's QNAP. We haven't really done one of these in a while. <laughs> I do have a QNAP sounder. Um, basically, good on QNAP. I, I haven't heard a deadbolt ransomware. Apparently, it was taking advantage of some photo station uh, security uh, vulnerability. Photo station must be some type of app that QNAP provides on top of their stack in order for you to do something fun with the pictures you store on it. QNAP is a network attached storage device, by the way, guys. Uh, notoriously vulnerable. Uh, people put it on their network. Inevitably, it ends up being internet facing. It gets popped all the time. This is like, I feel like QNAP exploitation is like, it's like the first lab in a in a cybersecurity course. It's like where you like cut your teeth. Like, hey, all right, we're gonna do a lot of fun stuff this semester, but first let's pop a QNAP box. <laughs> I will give QNAP it, uh, um, recognition. They don't typically do this. Twelve hours to release a security update um, after Deadbolt started running rampant. Right, so we saw this massive uptick in QNAP uh, in, in Deadbolt ransomware submissions. And then 12 hours later, they released it. Now, good for QNAP, but remember, the people who own the QNAP devices, unless they have it set to auto-update, need to also patch the device itself. Just because the vulnerability has been patched doesn't mean your instance of QNAP has been patched. So <clears throat> if you do run a QNAP device, you should. <laughs> I would advise you buy a different solution. But if you're going to keep running your QNAP device, uh, make sure that you patch it. Make sure it's updated. Make sure it's not internet facing unless it has to be. Uh, and we'll get and that'll that'll treat you well. All right. So that does it for today's um, news stories. Did you guys? Let me ask you that. All right. So let's do the uh, the drawing really quickly. I also want to ask guys. I played the music at the beginning. Did people like that or do you, or not so much? Let me know. I'd be kind of curious. All right. So if you want to enter to win the Recon InfoSec core training, which is September 26th through 29th, this is next level InfoSec uh, Security Operations Center training. I'm going to drop it in chat in case anyone's interested in going to look at it. We will be raffling this off every day this week. And on Thursday, we're raffling off two. One for the team replay people and one for the team live people. Because I love my team replay people as much as I love team live. You guys, just because you're watching it on replay because of your time zones or your other uh, commitments doesn't mean that you are second class citizens and you don't deserve to win the raffles. That's how I feel about that. All right. Thanks, Nathan, for the feedback on the on the um, on the music. I'm going to I might even do that. I love the midnight so much. All right, guys, get their last um, your last entries in. Type in recon to enter. Otherwise, we are going to go draw it right now. Yeah. There we go. I do, I just love it. Let's do that. I think this is appropriate. Here we go, guys. Thanks, Doris. Good luck to everybody. We're going to draw our winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Arturo 2M. Arturo 2M. Looks like Arturo's got a, a, a Mastiff dog, too, in his profile photo. So congratulations to Arturo 2M. Arturo, you have to contact me via Discord today if you want to win this. Guys, I'm not going to be sitting on these. Sometimes people don't claim their raffle prizes, and I don't really 
um, throw them back in the ring or something like that. But this prize is too ridiculous to not make sure that someone gets it. So Arturo 2M, go ahead and contact me in chat. Yeah, internal stranger, you're funny. Yeah, no audio issues today. Let's go, let's go, let's go. All right, guys. Um, real, real quick. Uh, thanks, Arturo. Uh, uh, do uh, exclamation point Discord if you're not already on the Discord server, Arturo. Guys, we had a great show today. Look at us at 10:45, right on the dot. Keeping it, keeping me honest, keeping me uh, right where it needs to be for the 45-minute show. Y'all have a great one. Remember, tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time is the next episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Um, oh, we just got a new member. Lego Security joining the squad. Lego Security. Enjoy those emotes, my friend, and thank you for the support on the channel. Hey, Jan. Yeah, I've only got five to give away. Come back tomorrow for another Recon InfoSec Core Training giveaway and two on Thursday. Enter, listen, if you're watching on replay, go to the Discord server, go to the giveaway channel and enter the raffle there. I'm gonna show you really quickly. I have a video clip on how you can enter, okay guys? Here we go, and then we're gonna, we're gonna call it. Get the invite. You're in the Simply Cyber Discord. The giveaway channel. There you go. Just go to that giveaway channel, just like the video showed you, and hit the little like celebration emote. That is how you enter, okay? Good luck to everybody, both live and on replay. Guys, I'm Jerry Ozier. This is Simply Cyber, the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Thank you so much for being here. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll see you guys at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Cheers, everybody.